This episode is powered by Safety FM. This week, we're going to continue our conversation with James Skipper Kendrick. And it was a really cool conversation with him, what we did. Uh, as the other half of this conversation, we talked a little bit about management theory again. And then we mentioned something a little bit about the COVID and what his life has been, as well as some of the things he would tell his clients about that and what their the idea is between safety and anything right now when we're dealing with uh, the virus. It is definitely back to hazard control. <laughs> so we kind of brought that up and talked about that as well. And truly, uh, the last portion of our conversation, he was also uh, speaking about his heart when it comes to actually mentoring other people. So after this word from our sponsor, let's continue our conversation with Skipper. Do you want to be a safety consultant? Listen to Dr. Jay Allen of Safety FM give his experience after taking the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. I have actually done research on different consultants and looked at different consulting courses and so on. There is a pretty fancy, very expensive consulting course that is out there. I have actually purchased the consulting course, was interested in it. has good information, don't get me wrong. But you have a consulting course that really drives people onto focusing on safety and how to become a safety consultant. I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figured I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant. Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Enter code PODCAST for a special discount. Yeah, and that truly, um, I, I see that as a lot of organizations wants to do safety as a reactant a reaction as opposed to safety as being part of their function of management. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's to me when they're looking at lagging indicators like the numbers and the loss and everything else is coming from the total recordable injury rate, the days away restricted transfer rates. And yeah. even to me, I think a lagging indicator is even a near miss report because there was an event that happened and you're writing a report about the event. But if before that you're able to see, and, and don't get me wrong, I think that's a valuable report to get, but I think that's still a lagging indicator where you take that report, you you know, reward the person for even coming to and, you know, fessing up that they had some, because some people yeah. think a near miss means I did something wrong when that's not the truth. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, I'll circle back to our conversation of safety first. Yeah. And why do many organizations put safety first at their production meetings and all of this other good stuff? Got to give connotation that we're safe is important. <laughs> nah, that's not it. Because what are they talking about at that production productivity meeting? They're talking about working a plan, schedule, and all this other good stuff, and how they're going to make it, how they're going to adjust, whatever the case may be. And then yeah. what do we as safety professionals come in and do it? 
first thing off the bat is we hit them with negatives of things that we didn't have planned and yeah. things that are all negative there. So, heck yeah, safety's first. Let's get rid of them and let's then go back to talking about what we need to talk about to run the business. Safety's and if we continue first, that, yeah, if we continue to talk in that, and I'm I'm in agreement with you, we'll never get rid of the negative metrics, the injuries, illnesses, and that type of scenario. However, if we provide the organization with integration of safety into their management system or starting a management system for safety because some organizations are at that point where you need to run two systems until they merge down the road um, you're going to measure things differently one of the greatest meetings i ever had was in this uh, in the vp's office and asking him at the end of the week, at the end of the month, how does your boss measure you? What metrics do we use? And then we had a 30 minute meeting turned in. I got a free lunch out of it and a very interesting discussion, but measuring safety in the same terms as you would measure the rest of the business. And that led to talking in their language. And I don't know if you've seen it, but we use it a whole heck of a lot, Sheldon. Um, it's out on YouTube. And in 2015, here in Dallas, the American Society of Safety Professionals had an executive summit, bringing executives in and having a panel up on stage telling the safety professionals what their view of a safety professional is and what they need from us. And there was a guy, uh, A.R. Daniels, Art Daniels, uh, president of Art Daniels Construction Company, fairly successful construction company here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that was one of the hits of the show. And then he says, when you start talking to me, he said, talk to me in my language, the language of business, because he said we hired safety professionals early on. And he says in the two or three replacements that the folks that started talking about uh, Ocean 1910, uh, no, excuse me, Ocean 1926, Subpart Z, or ANSI, da, 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 he said, usually weren't going to get a chance for a second interview. He says, I want to know what you know and what you can teach me relative to safety. And, and I think that's a big part of it is, and going back to an earlier comment, to be able to cross that bridge from the functional piece of it, the nuts and bolts, handrails, life jackets, uh, safety glasses, earplugs, to the strategic mindset of the boardroom, of the plant manager's production meeting. And I think that the people who can make that transfer and can make that adjustment are going to be the young men and women who are going to be poised for success in the future. And uh, to even uh, parlay that into my audience, if you're sitting or you finally got that person that you've been emailing or reaching out to you saying, I could help you as a consultant, then pretty much I would, I would just surmise that this might be your philosophy in uh, not only vetting clients, because I, 
honestly believe there's been some times in my safety uh, consulting career where I didn't take clients because they didn't have this mindset. So I don't know if you do that or not, but right now in my career, I know that's when I started, I couldn't do that. I needed everybody. <laughs> but right now I, uh, I really have to look at people and say, you're not ready to take what's deliberate. I have my insurance to think about. I've got, you know, my, my career to think about if I'm giving you these things to actually follow and I don't think you're going to follow them, but then you're going to go around saying, well, I hired Sheldon as a consultant and he didn't, <laughs> uh, we still have these problems. That's what I'm scared of. So is that yeah. the, the mindset you use that you just described for when you vet and talk to your own clients? When, when we are talking across the board, anywhere, any place for potential opportunities, I, I tell the story, I've been asked to leave a lot of nice offices in, in my day, because when that person's sitting behind that shiny desk in a big high back leather chair with all of the me wall behind them and all that other good stuff, kind of leans forward to give emphasis that safety is not top priority. My response is, well, la-di-da, let that phone ring right there on your desk with a customer who is ticked off because you overcharged them, you're behind in delivery, you can't meet their production schedule. What's your priority right now? We want safety. There's a, there can only be number one, number one. We want safety to be a value. And in that case, can I offer value? And is there value to be offered to be able to improve and make things better? I, I turned down to your point, a very lucrative offer, extremely lucrative offer from a potential client that wanted me to go in and help them develop a culture of safety and uh, wanted to do it and the talk was going fairly well and he says good we need to have this done in the next six months i said oh uh six months yeah wow. we got to get on this and i said uh, sir uh, in my honest opinion and uh, we've done a lot of it um Safety culture and changing the culture of safety within the organization is going to be more than a six months ordeal. Yeah, that's phase uh, one. It's going to be it's going to be two, three, as much as five years. Yeah. Uh, because if you're going to get it, you need to have something that you can keep. So within that, within that, uh, we just came to an agreement, and no, I want to do this, and he actually increased the price. And I said, there are two ways that culture changes, and I can get you a change in culture if you'll tell me the names of the two people that are going to die within the next six weeks of an industrial accident within your organization. And then there was silence on the phone. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're, you're like, no, I'm not kidding. Because, yes, a significant emotional event will change culture, but that culture is not necessarily a long-lasting cultural change because corporations in and of themselves feel very little, if any, pain. Yeah. And then that pain is only for a short time. So I, if, if not... Uh, then it's going to take us a good 24 months 
two, maybe five years. And bottom line to your point is we agreed that I most probably wasn't the right quote unquote fit for, for that position. So the idea too is I want to, and we go back to a comment we made very early on in the conversation, Tilden, is I'm not there for a long-term retainer. I'm not there looking for another quote-unquote un, uh, unbridled bureaucratic corporate job. Uh, I'm there to do a job, and my job is to help you do your job and to get you the right tools share with you practices is how to use those tools and then get out of the way and let you do your job yeah. and then go help somebody else. Yeah. Um, that's that's so, my belief as a consultant, you know, you're, yeah. and I think that's the, the best part of being a consultant because now I don't have to run a day-to-day operation, but I help them on a, on a, a management level because yeah. truly we were that we're that entity they were that bridge between their normal safety department and the executives yeah. i think yeah. that's the role of consultant you got that right it's, and basically it's a thing of working ourselves out of a job yeah, and yeah working yeah, ourselves out of a job so the idea behind that is can we do that and you know i've, I've developed a philosophy hey that's no problem if I do work myself out of a job. Because number one, you ought to have plan B to start off with, like we talked about earlier on. Yeah. And then think about it, because how many interviews have you been on in your lifetime where you get this question from the HR or whoever, that's their that's their question out of the three-ring binder that they're there to doing these behavioral interviews, mm-hmm. is where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? And it's amazing when you give them the answer without a job. Well, would you mind? Well, I intend on doing for you what I did for my former employers and working myself out of a job so that you can handle it and I can go on and help somebody else. There you go. Yep. They don't like that, but uh, when they really think of it, they're like, hmm, you must be right. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, then that gives you a good message that uh, the, the fit, quote unquote, it may not be there for you and that particular organization. Here's so, my question then. Your question, uh, sir. In this uh, whole pandemic issue, I, I did a couple of episodes already with uh, with uh, things I'm telling my clients, you know, so I've I've boiled it down to to hazard control and hazard is the SARS severe acute respiratory syndrome uh, COVID-2 virus which will lead to the disease of COVID-19. So uh, with changing information, you know, and that becomes a changing recommendation, I, I understand that. What have you been doing as far as people calling you and saying, what do we need to do in our situation? Is there a underlying principle that you've been, been having everyone look at? Yes, there is an underlying principle and it's our business, Sheldon. It's number one, hazard, and then risk assessment. You take a look at the hazard, which you mentioned is the virus in and of itself. And then the tough part is to be able to identify and get information, reliable information relative to 
the hazard, its effects, and everything else. And and again, that's much like uh, going out and dealing with a machine guarding issue or any other issue in in the workplace that we've dealt with. Number one, the, the hazard is fairly well identified. Transmission mechanisms, we found out that, um, you know, good transmission now it's going to be primarily airborne there's still the possibility of surface contact the uh, those areas but then here's the other thing in the piece of this that we cannot and we've got to adapt and adopt to safety professionals is the risk piece of that hazard and what risk are we as an organization, or we as individuals willing to take in exposure to the hazard. So that given the things, and again, no different from uh, our organizational operation with, you know, true safety risk assessment, do it. And we've got to do that, number one, from a corporate level, which um, I just read a very, very interesting uh, article from the uh, from Apple relative to opening their stores again. And if you've ever been in one of the Apple stores, uh, yeah. they're you know wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. How they're managing the safety of their employees and to satisfy their customers and an individual who like myself um, is a frequenter of the apple store or any other thing so i'm looking at this and i'll just give you my own personal perspective on this Mm -hmm. because and looking at it the way i would caution and the way we discuss it with a client hey I'm at that high risk. I'm well over 65. I've got some, I've <laughs> got some underlying issues. Yeah, I've got some underlying issues there that should I get the virus and should I have the disease, uh, it would be significantly greater toll on my body and my chances of survivability are significantly different than my 26 year old daughter yeah so with that utilizing that i do my own risk assessment and there are things that i do based upon my level of risk acceptance and risk tolerance that other people are not doing again this is the individual piece of this where you can't apply as we talked about earlier the cultural things mm-hmm. yeah there's no there is no one size fits all and if you will take a look at, at my website and one of the things that you will see and also if you will notice you most probably cannot read this but on the sleeve of my shirt Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm wearing the company logo, there are three words on my sleeve, long sleeve or short sleeve. And that is kind of our mantra is make it personal. We have got to make safety personal to each individual. 
we've got to make the risk personal to each individual. We've got to take the hazard personally to each individual. And that personal could be the corporate entity as well to yeah. be able to determine my comfort level, how am I going to manage the risk? And in this case, the management of risk is extremely difficult because number one, there is still to this day is no one definitive medical treatment highly effective in this. And number two, in the, there is no vaccine. Yep. So we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. And I've been truly trying to get the clients that have asked me saying first, are you willing to do this organizationally? Are you willing to uh, include if you are union, your union is going to have to be included. HR is going to be included because if now we're saying eight hour a day workers, you know, the five day work week are going to end up having to go into a 24 hour cycle so that your occupancy is going to be reduced. It's still going to help you with production, but instead of doing eight hour a day production at you know 8 a.m. through you know 3:30 or 4 o'clock, now it's going to actually be spread out. Is HR going to now support that, and gonna, and your union going to back that up and say, "Hey, I know we don't really work weekends here, but now because of our occupancy rate, we're going to have to do that." Or if we're going to have a cafeteria, now we're going to have to look at how do we stagger people into this cafeteria at the workplace and what about wearing masks what about uvc lights for disinfection and all those yep. things it's, everybody needs to be included in that talk and then you have to truly be dedicated in order to make this work in order to make it happen but again it boils down to the basis of our safety business identification yep. of the hazards look at if you cannot eliminate them look at the mitigation of those hazards and by the way uh, our beautiful hierarchy of control PPE those funny looking little masks of which I've got several uh, that when I do when I do get out uh, I've got my gloves on and I've got my mask and I have my protocol understanding where I am with my level of risk versus the hazard now this is going to, to the degree, maybe not to the degree, uh, we're getting ready with summer months, but we're getting ready to go into flu season. Some of the same situational aspects uh, that we do in terms of surface contact, washing hands, don't touch your face, during the flu season, exactly the same as we're doing for this. There's only one or two big differences relative to this because if we look at it it's in the same family yeah uh, but we have the good definitive treatments for the flu and we have vaccines for the flu some granted not a hundred percent but to change our perception of what i nick skipper as an individual what an organization needs to do to that hazard and the management of that hazard and the risk imposed. And yeah. with that, uh, that is why we, and I've got several friends of mine who are very, uh, they're busier than ever because of this. They're just applying the same techniques that we applied to machines, to production lines, to whatever. 
to the current situation that we're facing. Yeah. Hey, are you like as perturbed as I am every time you look at the news and you see they're always talking to the health professionals as far as um, pretty much medical professionals without including in the conversation safety and health professionals? I only see this every once in a while, but it just I'm like, this is a safety and health issue when you talk about reopening in America. Why why don't we have more safety and health professionals in this conversation? Well, that, that's true. And the... Uh Thank goodness our organizations, our professional organizations, uh, I just listened in to a podcast with the leaders of ASSP, the National Safety Council, and AIHA that have formed a coalition called SAFER, S-A-F-E-R. Nice. And talking about and developing tools, guidance, and counsel to organizations as we move forward into opening up again to what we're, you know, I don't, to me, the word normal is no longer in the vocabulary. No. It is what is. So, but a good point that you made is seeking good medical advice out there and reliable advice and there there are one or two folks out there that are my go-to in terms of because just like just like safety you've got people who want to sell you magic pills and the fixes and the cure-alls for this there are yeah. people that are, that are selling all this other good stuff out there i want to try to get to at least the best and most reliable sources that I can to assess my hazard and to design my risk. Now, I'm extremely fortunate because she was just home. This has been an interesting week. Uh, My daughter just graduated from medical school Saturday. So, yeah, so I've got a, uh, there's a doctor in the house, not literally, but uh, And uh, uh, she is phone uh, call away. She's a phone call away, or a Zoom, or FaceTime away. Um, so that uh, again, all of this rolls into our the personal perspective of what we see and how we're going to deal with it from our own relative acceptance or rejection of the risk. Yeah. Well, excellent. I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, if you don't mind, normally what I do is I always have someone, when they get on the show, just to say their name and their business. Uh, would you mind just saying your name and your company and then give us your website and how we could reach out to you and how people can ask you questions, whatever Whatever contact, whatever thing you got to plug, sure. let's go ahead and Surely. away. Thank you, so, Sheldon. Um, we formally went into business as a consultancy. I wanted to have KISS, K-I-S-S, but needless to say, that is a certain little band that's got most probably all oh, the Yeah, it was, uh, was going to be Kendrick Integrated Safety Services, but that didn't work out. So uh, Kendrick Global Enterprises were born. And over the past 10 years, we've been in business helping our clients um, through a wide variety of services in terms of two areas that are kind of honed in on, and that's the development 
management, auditing, implementation of management systems relative to safety and health, either standalone or inclusionary or implemented or integrated management systems, and then in training and in education. Matter of fact, I'm going to schedule to be doing through uh, the wonderful world of technology uh, from where here you're looking at it, worldwide headquarters of Kendrick Global Enterprises, um, uh, five days of training next week, all online with the wonderful technology that we have. Um, so that we do management training, we do leadership training, communication, train the trainer. And if you want a little bit more information, my website is fairly simple. It's www.safetybyskipper.com. And you can go there. And by the way, I do have a little section called Lanyap on my website. A little, a little something extra. extra where one of my sticks is Pierre and Boudreaux. And there's always a number one, a training tip, and number two, a little Boudreaux story on there um, as come have a little bit of fun. But uh, again, kind of give you an idea what Kendra Global Enterprises is all about. And if you wish to get in touch with me, uh, again, trying to keep it simple, something that I can remember is uh, email is skipper.kendrick at gmail.com and the phone number is 817-300-SAFE 817-300-7233 and I'm on LinkedIn on Facebook uh, Safety by Skipper Facebook page uh, LinkedIn and I'd be happy to talk with anyone and either number one either in potential business opportunities, but also with the idea that I had a very, very good mentor that says, if you make it to the same point in life that I have, he said, give it back, give it back. Because I've had some extremely, extremely good opportunities and people who have shared with me in my career growth. And it's my job is my desire to kind of pay it back and also pay it forward to look to that next generation. As I tell people in the safety world, um, my runway is not that long anymore. But what I'd like to do is to share information, not only with what we have learned to the new and upcoming safety professionals um, so that they won't have to go through the same things that you and I went through in our career okay so again uh, just one little word of advice here is that for all of us out there and especially all of us that are looking to uh, all of us in our category kind of around baby boomers uh, there are things that we've done in our lifetime there are things that we've done in our practice there are things that we've done in our profession that we've not gotten a chance to write down to become a part of that collective knowledge or that intellectual knowledge base for either our organizations or ourselves. So I would encourage you to go find a young person, mentor them, because if 
we if we allow all of this pent up knowledge and all of this information that we've gathered over the years to just walk out of the door without collecting that then our young safety professionals are going to have to fight the same battles and are have to overcome the same obstacles that we have fought and hopefully overcome and i'm not so sure that we're not going to be fighting the same battles or recreating the same wars all over again so again uh, look to pay it forward find someone who uh, you can help and do so and then you know no no one of us no one of us has it all but i've got a lot of stories <laughs> I got a lot of, I, as I tell folks, I got a lot of t-shirts. Uh, I got a lot of t-shirts. Yeah, some of them got some bling on them, but I've got three or four drawers of t-shirts with a bunch of holes in it where That's things right. didn't go right. They got burnt, scorched, bullet holes, whatever the case may be. So pass those, pass those wonderful words of wisdom on, because the one thing I am truly truly grateful for is right now as we do this and as i go out i see these wonderful young folks getting into our profession and it's a matter of their choosing our profession rather than hey sheldon uh you got nothing else to do you're a safety guy now make it make good awareness safety glasses yeah. and, and that is that is a very very enlightening view uh, as we go through and as we take a look at it so those folks are coming they're a heck of a lot smarter than you and i were when we entered into this safety profession yeah, college educated now coming you out got of school it. degrees in environmental they, safety and they are so much smarter however uh we got to, we have got to help them and they lack the experience and you and I have enough miles under our belt to understand that what we are taught in the classroom is not necessarily how it's going to work in the real world. And one last story, and then we'll, we had a young man that we hired and he made a presentation at a seminar we went to and very impressive. He was writing air regulations for the state. Well, wow. we made him an offer he couldn't refuse to come to work in private industry. And he came to work. And then about eight months later, there's a knock on the door and you see this young man and he's got this perplexed look. You know, we've seen it a lot of times. Here's somebody with a problem. And he comes in and after a minute or two of chit chat, okay, what this seems to be the problem? He said, you know, I used to write all these air regulations. I said, yep, that's kind of why we hired you. He said, I'm figuring out, no, now, making them happen is a hell of a lot harder than writing them. And I <laughs> yeah. said, welcome to the world. So that help, help these kids. They're eager. They're going to ask you a question that is going to drive you up a wall. Why this? Why that? Why are we doing it? And please resist the temptation, because this is what I said to do. Sit down and explain it to them. Help make it personal to them, as somebody did for us many, many years ago. And I think if so, um, we'll leave the rest of that runway well paved for those that are coming behind us. 
spoken like a true mentor. That's uh, that's on the top end of Maslow's pyramid. There, that self-actualization. <laughs> so uh, that is that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being part of this interview. Sheldon, thank you for the opportunity, and I do appreciate it. And uh, so, and for all your listeners, one last thing go out and make it personal. Have you been considering wanting to take the Safety Consultant Blueprint course online? Well, let me throw a little monkey wrench into your thoughts. I am going to do a live three day event on Zoom. It's going to be a workshop that is me walking you through this course step by step by step each day, July 28th, July 29th, and July 30th from 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have an intimate group of a maximum 15 participants. So register today. SheldonPrimus.com backslash live for the Safety Consultant Blueprint. So go to SheldonPrimus.com backslash live and register today. Welcome back. Wasn't that a great episode with Skipper? I had a good time talking to him. Got to, you know, get to a nice conversation with an eagle up here where we talked about management as well as what we're doing for the COVID and other things with our clients. I don't get that conversation much. So it was really good to, to touch to someone who's been doing it a lot, lot, lot longer than I have. So I learned a lot from him and I'm really appreciative that he took the time out to be part of the show. Some of you know we had a contest going for a little while and the contest is now over. That contest was for someone to win the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. For those of you that wanted to win this one, sorry, the contest is over. Uh, the winner is Pedro Mashiel. Pedro is actually the host of the X Factor Safety. And truly, I woke up, I saw the names. Everyone was allowed to do multiple entries in this one. And I was looking and I was like, hold on, I think I know that email. And I looked up the email uh, from when I saw it's a, 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 the system that I use is all electronic and, you know, they just do everything for me. All I have to do is just host it and actually put it on there. So I had no say so in who gets what. But when I looked at the name and I had to go look, I was like, that looks familiar. Hold on. And when I saw the email, I was like, oh, it's Pedro. So it was really good. I'm glad that he's going to have an opportunity to take the, the class and hopefully he will share on his podcast, the X Factor of Safety, uh, his impressions of the, the course. I'm very interested in seeing how he, how he thinks of it as he gets done with that one. For those of you that haven't had a chance to take the course and you're interested in it, go to safetyconsultantblueprint.com safetyconsultantblueprint.com and I'm also hosting a live event. It's going to be a three-day event, July 28th, 29th, and the 30th. And this three-day event is going to be me actually going through the principles of this course step by step by step. And therefore, I'm going to be able to take your answers, answer it right then. I'm also going to be uh, doing this for only 15 people so it's going to be a nice intimate setting uh, so that I can make sure that these people that are wanting to become 
safety consultants or give their company a big boost that they're going to get you know my time as well as you know very good networking amongst each other and as a caveat those people that come through these three days for this training session i do get calls from time to time for people looking for my ref- reference and recommendations for training and there's some things that i may not even know uh, as far as consulting uh, I'm, I specialize in certain things and I stick with those things that I specialize in. So uh, I will build, build that list from these 15 students. So truly go to sheldonprimus.com backslash live and go ahead and see if you could fit that in your schedule. If you're available the 28th to the 29th, come join me. going to be all virtual on the Zoom platform. And uh, we're going to make sure that everybody is going to uh, get all the information that they need from this course in a three-day section. And we could branch out to more, whatever you guys want. I'm going to be at your disposal for three days, 9 a.m. Eastern Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to just do this thing, get you guys ready. Some nice uh, mentorship as we go. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please go ahead and do that. So hit subscribe, share it with a friend, share it with someone that you believe can really, really benefit from this. I would appreciate it. So go ahead and and do that. All right, for the tip of the week, I'm actually going to just think about what uh, Skipper was saying, especially with people not being your match. That was one of the things that came up in the conversation we had. And he gave up a lucrative contract because the person wanted to just force a safety culture thing. And to me, it's just like checking a box. I've had a couple of clients in my career that I have taken on. And I kind of knew I probably shouldn't have. Just from the get-go, it was just something telling me, hmm, yeah, I just don't know. And I did because either money or, or I felt that I could help them out. And it just ended up being a headache. So sometimes you just have to look at those opportunities that come by and be selective. And you don't always get a chance to do that. I understand that. So the longer you have been in this business, the more you can. And for me, webinars is that that thing for me. I used to do webinars where it would be like 200 bucks for the webinar and they always offered some sort of percentage and I, I don't do that anymore. I said, hey, you want me? You're going to pay my fees. Anyone can see my fees. You go to sheldonprimus.com backslash bookings. I said, I even have a spot in there for webinars. We're not talking, you know, the same thing right here. We're on apples and oranges. And then it was another company that just really wanted me in the webinar and just wanted, can we work something out? I said, my rate is my rate. And that's it. I haven't heard back from them. My rate is my rate. And those people that hire me, they know my rate, they know what they expect, and I give them, you know, everything that I I have when I take on a client. So in some cases, you will know if it's not a good fit. And if it's not a good fit, then that's just it. Uh, go with your gut. Don't be pressured into anything. Go with your gut if it's not a nice fit. If something's telling you, don't do it. Or if your spouse is telling you, don't do it. Or your partner, just go ahead and listen to them. Because chances are they're seeing or hearing something and it's probably a cue from you. 
Uh, and truly, that's what it boils down to. They're hearing and seeing something that would be a cue from you that's saying that you're not completely lit up with this opportunity and you're probably doing it for some other obligation. So listen to them. You know, it's just truly important that you are true to yourself in this business because all you got is your name. That's it. That's all you got. So you might as well just go ahead and do what you feel that is going to be something that is for you. All right. So that is it for this week. Hope you guys just enjoyed. Next week, I've got a solo episode, just me giving you some tips. I wish if I remembered right now, I actually recorded it ahead of time, (laughs) but I can't really remember that. But oh yeah, I think it is. It's the one that I just recorded about what to do with live and virtual courses that you do. And a lot of you may actually be getting into live courses. So if that's the case, then how are you going to start doing COVID-19 prevention training sessions live face-to-face? So that should be really consideration that you need to do as America is opening up and other places around the world are opening up. So how are you going to actually, as a safety professional, have your course where you could feel ethically you took care of everybody that attended your course? All right. So thanks for everything. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM.